Mac Power Users, Episode 27, iPad Power Session. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. How are you, David? Fantastic, Katie. How are you? Ooh, coming in loud and clear. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing great. I've um, I've been thinking about this iPad show for a long time, and I'm I'm glad that we're we're doing it, and I'm glad that we've given the iPads kind of enough time to settle and uh, and really figure out what we're going to use these things for. I've been thinking about the iPad for a long time, so I'm ready for this show. And hopefully it's it's somewhat appropriate. You know, we we try not to do a news show, so we're, we're really not going to get into that kind of aspect of the iPad. But the timing is appropriate because at least as we're recording this, the um, the iPad just released internationally in several other countries. Um, I know lots of our Twitter friends are expecting their first iPods or iPads. So it's it's kind of neat to see that excitement all over again. I never told you that I got into the export business. I figured you might have. Yeah, I um, I sent an iPad. Well, I mean, I didn't pay for it, but I sent right. an iPad over to our friend who develops Grivner. Oh. And uh, that was my contribution to uh, hopefully getting them encouraged to uh, to do something for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hopefully, hopefully that will work out, oh, and you for, can get your Scrivener on the iPad, maybe, or something like it. For all Something of us like Scrivener lovers, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great. You know, I I looked at my blog. I think the first time I wrote about. A, a tablet Apple device was, I think, in two, late 2007, early 2008. I was yakking about it back then. I've I've used tablets in the past, and I've I've talked and written about it before. But boy, I sure am happy with this iPad I've had now for what about a month or two. You know, the one thing that has really surprised me is that in gosh, I would even say in the past five years, I cannot think of a day that I have not used my computer in some way. The only exception to that would be I, I took a 10-day trip to Europe a couple of years ago and did not take my computer with me. And it was, you know, like I was I was quivering with withdrawal symptoms. And I've got to tell you, since I've gotten the iPad, there have been days where I have come home from work and I have not even turned my Mac on. And there have been a couple of days when I've done it in a row because I'm just on the couch with the iPad. Now, I'm not trying to say that the iPad by any means is a computer replacement, but this I'm, I'm doing a lot more with this device than I thought I would be doing. Yeah, there's a lot that's already been written and said about whether it replaces or whether it's a new category. Uh, the way I look at it is it does about 75% of the stuff I need a computer for. Not all of it better, but a lot, it, it can do about 75%. So there are going to be days if you you know get smart about the way you use these little uh, tablet devices that you're not going to need your Mac. And uh, my wife, Daisy, she just went back east for uh, three and a half days. Didn't bring her computer first time she went on a trip without bringing her computer. She went back east? You mean she came over my way? Yeah, well, sort of. Yeah. She was in Tennessee and in Indiana. But she... Uh, she took her uh, 3G iPad and she had a great experience. I mean, she got stuck in the airport for 10 hours. Well, that's not great, but having the iPad with you during that time is pretty neat. She got on, she was telling me she got on Facebook on her iPad, was complaining about her problem. And a friend of hers from like 20 years ago happened to be close to the airport she was stuck in. And she ended up having a nice meal. And uh, 
you know, it's really a great little device. So she, uh, she was able to travel without her computer. I think a lot of people are going to be doing that. Uh, I know that I like go to court a lot and, uh, these days I'm bringing an iPad. I don't bring the Mac with me anymore. My bag got lighter and just about everything I need I can do with it. It's pretty nice. Right. Well, I guess that kind of begs the first question is, is where are we using the iPad? And you mentioned that Daisy took it on a trip and you've taken it to court. Um, I've taken it out and about, but I think that about 90% or more of my usage is around the house. I'm finding, um, it's a great couch device. Yeah, I, I use mine a lot more out um, than than you do. I, I take it with me every day. It's uh, in my bag and uh, on weekend trips and family stuff. I mean, I, I am from a family of nerds. We get together and we all you know have computers and we're always doing stuff. So it's nice bringing the iPad. Uh, a few weeks ago for Mother's Day, I went down to San Diego, down to Adam's territory, and I uh, we went to my sister's house, brought my iPad with nothing else and the camera connection kit. And I was mm-hmm. taking a bunch of Mother's Day pictures, you know, kind of post pictures. I've got that great 50, um, uh, that 51.4 lens that takes really good portrait pictures. So I'm always the designated portrait taker. So I got some great pictures and I hooked up my uh, Canon to the iPad and you had these really big versions of these pictures I took. And we were able to go through and kind of sort the pictures right there and get rid of the, the lousy ones and went home and plugged my iPad into my iMac and had great pictures out within a day or so. Yeah. The iPad is definitely a, a great travel companion. I, I don't think I could get away with it as my only device if I were on a, a business trip, but just because I would need to do things, um, you know, back on my office network, but I, you know, absolutely for a weekend away or, or something like that, you know, the iPad would be ideal. And I think, you know, right now a lot of it is still kind of novelty because I can't go anywhere with my iPad without people saying, oh, is that a, can I kind of see that, you know, thing? Yeah, yeah. When I first got it for a while, I wasn't taking it out in public because of that, but now I've got over it and I'm using it all the time. I take it with me to, to lunch, for instance, and I'll open it and people do walk up to me and want to look at it and I've got the obligatory apps to show off and it's kind of fun, you know, talking to people about technology. So uh, I'm just loving it. I, I'm very satisfied. Now, one question I, I have and is how usable is the iPad without an internet connection? Well, I'm using the Wi-Fi only model. As am I, yeah. And uh, I use it without an internet connection sometimes, but not often uh, because I'm a MiFi owner, fortunate MiFi owner, I have that with me. And, you know, the MiFi fits in my wallet. It's so small, I just can't get over. I mean, I remember I was at an airport with Allison Sheridan when she pulled out the cradle point, and it just blew me away that she had this box in her purse that had the internet in it. Now it fits in my wallet. Uh, so I have that with me pretty often. But uh, for, you know, some of the stuff I do the most on the iPad is just basic reading, you know, reading books and reading an Instapaper and those things uh, are already downloaded. So right. uh, quite often when I go to lunch, I'll have the MiFi in my pocket and won't turn it on. Well, I, I found I, I'm like you, I'm also a MiFi owner, but um, I have not used the MiFi with the iPad at all. I've just found that when I do take it with me out and about, I always seem to be someplace with Wi-Fi, you know, a, a coffee shop or a restaurant that has Wi-Fi or at work where we have Wi-Fi or at someone else's home where I can hop on their wireless network. 
So I really haven't had that problem. I I went through a big debate initially of Wi-Fi or 3G. Um, and I, I did this big blog post about it debating of, you know, where am I going to use this? Where am I going to be? Where am I not going to have Wi-Fi? And I, I will admit that especially as the 3G models come ha- have come out, I've wondered a little bit, hmm, I don't know, should I, should I trade in my Wi-Fi model iPad and, and get a 3G one, you know, just so I have the option, you know, to use the 3G um, but then I think about, you know, I've got the MiFi if I need it, although I'm on the pay-as-you-go plan, so it's 15 bucks a pop every time I want to use it. So it's not like you would, you know, pop it open to to do something casual real quick. But I just I just haven't found that much of a need. So I, I think I made the right choice in the, in the Wi-Fi-only model. With Gen 2, yeah, maybe I'll get the 3G, but I'm just not finding it to be that big of an issue. I wouldn't be surprised if with Gen 2 there is only 3G. Well, that could be, uh, we, uh, I talked about this on Adam Christensen's podcast when it first came out uh, in my family, the way it usually works is when new technology comes out, I cannot resist and get it for myself. And then, uh, when the new stuff comes out a year or two later, then, uh, Daisy will get my older one cause she's not as crazy as I am. Uh, so that was kind of the general plan in our house with the iPad that I'd get this one. And then next year they'll come out with something newer and shinier and then Daisy will get my old one in. So we're sitting out there the day of the launch and, you know, we've got it open. We've been using it like an hour and Daisy looks at me and says, you know, that plan, that's not going to work this time. <laughs> so we started talking about it and, you know, and Mother's Day was coming. So uh, we she, we got her the 3G one and uh, she has a home business, but she travels for it uh, pretty often. And and we only have one MiFi card and inevitably she'll be somewhere with the kids and not ha- I'll have the MiFi card with me, so she can't use it. So we decided to get her the 3G model, and and she's really happy with that. Like I was talking about her recent uh, travels, it was very convenient for her to have that 3G. So I think that they're both great devices. And uh, in your case, you're telling me if you use your iPad at home 90% of the time, then you certainly don't need a 3G model. Yeah, and you know I've always got the MiFi for out and about if I if I had to, but it just it just hasn't come up. Now, one question I had is is how is how is that working with the three G data plans? Are are you guys getting the unlimited plan? Or are you finding that the the two fifty is more than adequate? And have you done any time yet without a data plan, or have you constantly had one? Well, we've only had it a month now, but uh, the we were going to go with the two fifty, and we had planned that, and then she had this trip back east, and she was going to blow through it this month. She was at two hundred in three weeks, so then we, we but for the trip. She she moved it up to the unlimited plan. Now, did she have to pay thirty bucks on top of the fifteen she'd already paid to get to unlimited, or was it just a fifteen dollar upgrade? The way I understand it is that once she hit the whether once the month ended or she hit the two fifty, whichever occurred first, then it would hit the thirty dollars for the unlimited month. But I'm not certain of that, so I don't want to don't want to say that with any authority. That's but, my understanding of how it works as well, but, but without personally using it, you know. And I have to remember to tell her to turn it back down to 250 because I don't think she uses it that much outside. Pretty neat, um, though. Pretty neat. You know, it's good that there are two options. I really like the ability not to be stuck on a plan. Yeah, I agree. I, I really hope, and, you know, again, I don't want to dive too much into other stuff, but I really hope that we see an option like this someday, maybe, if, when they release iPhone tethering. Yes, if it's and butts were candy and nuts. Yeah. 
Um, so I think we want to talk a little bit about um, iPod accessories. Uh, but before we do that, do we want to talk a little bit about 1Password? Yeah, let's talk about 1Password on the iPad. One of the very first iPad apps I purchased, and actually I didn't need to purchase it because I had previously pa- uh, purchased 1Password Pro, and they were kind enough to give me a free upgrade to the iPad version if you're a Pro user. Yeah, 1Password on the iPad, it really, in a lot of ways, is what this app was designed for. The size is perfect. Uh, I use the iPad at work, and there are some services I want to sign into for my office PC, and I don't want to leave a bunch of passwords on it. Right. And it's really nice being able to have access to those on the iPad. It's also great when you go to uh, set up different computers or if you want to log in from a friend's house. You've got this nice big screen. You can open up one password. The interface, I think, is is really nice. The way they, you know, you can tell they started kind of from the ground up on it. They thought about the iPad screen size. And they use the, you know, familiar steering wheel type user interface. So on the left side, you've got your various categories of secret information. On the right, you've got your secret information. Uh, I think it's really great. Have you used the 1Password Notes feature much? Um, I don't want to say much, but I do have several notes with lots of information that I, I need to be able to, to reference. I'm not so much adding to those notes often on the iPad, but I do have quite a few notes synced over to 1Password for kind of that random information that I need on the go. Yeah, I find it really useful. Um, you know, as a dad, I've got a bunch of, you know, information concerning the kids and different stuff like that that doesn't really fit in the standard categories of 1Password, but I've got a bunch of notes for that stuff. And just the other day, I was somewhere where we needed some of it, and I was able to access it really quickly. And I could just turn it around. I mean, it was the person I was with, I was someone I could trust. I could just turn the screen around and say, here it is, you know. And um, uh, I think that they did a really good job with the notes implementation on it. Right. You talked a little bit about the steering wheel type type interface on the iPad. I, I always think it's interesting how some of these developers in 1Password is a prime example developed this interface knowing exactly where you would want to put your hands and where they would naturally rest without ever seeing an iPad. Well, I mean, a lot of them were, were making mock-ups. At Macworld, several developers showed me their fiberglass iPads. You know, That's they true. Got them out. I know the Omni Group had a bunch of them. Right. So one password for the iPad will sync to one password uh, on your Mac, just like the iPhone version. Uh, it will it will sync over wireless. And you also have a feature that I use quite a bit, um, the one password bookmarklet. I think I talked a little bit about this on the last episode, um, but Safari on the iPad is significantly more similar to Safari on the Mac than Safari on the iPhone. Um, so I've generated, taken some of my frequently used passwords and put them into the 1Password bookmarklet. And whenever I go to a website on the password that asks me to log in, I simply click the bookmark tabs at the top, click my 1Password um, bookmark, which is at the top level, and all of a sudden it pops up a little uh, access that says uh, insert your access code and and click which of your 1Password logins you want to fill if you've got multiple logins for a site. And boom, you're done. It's it's almost as easy as having one password on the web browser. You know, I hadn't really taken advantage of that. I'm not sure why. And after you had talked about it on the show, I set it up afterwards. And it's amazing. You can, you know, oh, yeah. all these web, because you have all these great passwords because you're using one password. So now you can just go on a site and drop the uh, the crazy character passwords in and you're good to go. Right. And for those passwords that you, you don't want to put in the traditional bookmarklet, 
um, then one password does have, you know, their, their kind of their browser. Yeah. That you can access from within the app. So it's one password pro that gets you both the iPad and the iPhone application. It's 1499 in the app store and you should check it out. And thanks one password for supporting the Mac power user. Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about some accessories. You, you mentioned a little bit that, um, that camera connection kit, which I, I, I want to talk about because there, there've been some surprises with that kit in terms of, uh, perhaps non-advertised things that it can do. Have you been playing around any with it? Yeah. You know, our friend Victor Cahiao over at the typical Mac user was one of the uh, trailblazers on this. They, you know, he just started plugging things he into just it. plugged everything into it. Well, that sounds like Victor. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's see if my audio interface will work. Let's I, see if my, yeah. I have this picture in my mind of him in his garage looking through boxes with things with USB plugs on the end. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. look, USB popcorn maker. Let's try that now. So you can plug in a, a an external keyboard, like if you have a USB keyboard, so long as it doesn't drain too much power because it, you know, it has to be it has to be powered by the iPad. I think that's your problem. It doesn't put out much juice. Right. And uh, you can put in some of these headset Bluetooth, I'm sorry, not Bluetooth. You put in these headset USB microphones. Mm-hmm. Which, which I've I, got one like the Logitech and yeah. Yeah, you know, I've got one in a box and I, I haven't tried it out yet, but I'm thinking if I go uh, out of town, that might be the way to handle Skype. You know, plug that sucker in. You've got good audio quality for it. Oh, the, sure. And uh, uh, there's some other stuff you can do. I thought it was really interesting the people who are putting movies on the SD uh, sticks. So you just, you know, it, it will look at it as you're importing a movie. But you can put, as long as you've got it in the right format, you can load up one of those cheap SD sticks with a bunch of movies. So if you're tight on space if you like if you have the 16 gig version and you don't have enough room to put a bunch of movies on you can put them on a stick and then put it in a stick reader and read it from there yeah i actually i haven't picked this up yet it's it's been something that i've been ever since people were talking about oh you, you got to check this out it can do all these other things um i've been kind of keeping an eye out locally but i can't seem to find them anywhere in stock okay oh the camera kit yeah yeah i, I ordered it online so it showed up one day but the, uh, That's what I'm just going to have to do. The main thing I use it for is photography. I, uh, I'm i not a super photographer, but I do have an SLR and I like to, to play with it. So I shoot in RAW and this has kind of changed my workflow because the iPad's almost always with me. And I get the pictures off the SLR. I plug them into the iPad and it, it pulls them down off the card just fine. And having that big screen really allows you to sort through the pictures much better. So you can go through them and, and trash the bad ones. And then I use Aperture on the iMac. So when I get home, you plug in the iPad to your dock connector. And then if you open Aperture, it sh- it sees the iPad as a source of pictures, just as if it would see a camera or a stick reader if you had plugged in. So then you can just pull the uh, photographs off the iPad at that point and work from there. So it's kind of the first step in the process. But what I really like about it, uh, and, and it does have room for improvement, but what I really like about it is when you're in a family gathering, like the Mother's Day situation, where you take the pictures, and, you know, within 10 minutes of taking the pictures, I had these big, huge, you know, prints, essentially, that mm-hmm. my, you know, my 80-year-old mother could look through them. And, you know, everybody else, we were passing the iPad around, and everybody was looking at the pictures, and it was really a lot of fun. It's an experience you don't normally get when the cam the, the pictures are stuck inside the camera. Oh yeah. Well, and what's also great about it is cause you also get both the SD card reader 
um, as well as the little USB adapter are included together in the camera kit. So you can just have your family members, if you're at a gathering with a bunch of people, pass their cameras down to you. And you can suck in not only your own pictures, but everyone else's. Yeah, and when, when Daisy went on her trip, she was with a lot of friends there. And it was the same thing. She brought the reader, and we just plug her camera in there. And they could they could all look at the pictures you know, for fun on her trip. And she didn't have a Mac with her, so it made it really easy. When she got back, she could download off the iPad. Yeah, and then Daisy's got everybody's pictures, too, with them having to send them to her. Yes. It's, 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 I think the camera, uh, the camera connection kit is a, is a good investment, especially if you're a shutterbug. Yeah. I think the the ship time on it right now is three to four weeks, which is why I haven't ordered it online, but I guess it will never come if I never order it. Yeah. Well, they, they did such a good job with it that everybody wants one now. Right. Now, did you get any of the keyboards for it? I got the Bluetooth keyboard. I did not get the keyboard dock because I had I'd seen some things written about it. Um, so actually, a couple of weeks before the iPad shipped, I found a a Bluetooth keyboard over on the refurb store. I don't remember if it was forty nine or fifty nine bucks, but it was pretty well discounted. So that was all I needed. I just I figured having the Bluetooth keyboard would would give me a little more you know options whether I wanted to use it with the iPad or my Mac or or whatever. Yeah, I did that too. Went with the Bluetooth. I, I don't like the idea of the fixed dock because I knew from the beginning I'd be carrying this thing around with me and I wanted to be able to put a keyboard in my briefcase. And that one just doesn't fit that way. Well, the fixed dock is is very rigid. What people don't realize until you pick it up and hold it um, is that, number one, it's heavy. It has to be because it has to counterbalance the weight of the iPad. And number two, you've you've got this dock piece sticking out and you've got this keyboard sticking off of it. And it's not like you can disconnect those two pieces or somehow fold it down so it's easy to carry. So it's a little bit of a of an awkward size to carry around. Yes. And the other problem is you can only have your iPad in it in one format. Right. It has to be has to be vertical. So I mean, I went I went with the keyboard dock. I've already had one little problem with it. Um, and just that, you know, I throw this iPad in this, in the case and we'll talk about cases in a minute. And then I just throw it in a bag and I did have, although I haven't broken it, I've got to put it back together. I did have a key pop off, um, the keyboard just cause I'd kind of, you know, been tossing it in and out of this bag. So I don't, I don't know what I can do about that, whether I can find a bag with a specific pocket for the keyboard or, or something that protects it a little more just when I'm pulling it in and out. Oh, they're coming out. There's several, uh, manufacturers that already have the bag plus i i'm sorry the keyboard plus uh ipad bag yeah i need to find a good one uh well i always thought that the problem you were going to talk about is one that a lot of people are experiencing is that their keyboard is activating their ipad in the bag yes i have that issue too i i was driving down the road and i could hear a movie playing on my ipad and i'm like (laughs) what's going on here i did not want to play a movie on my ipad so i pulled it out and sure enough uh, the way i had stuck them in the bag somehow had activated itunes to play a movie and uh, you know there has been some articles online i believe macworld had one i'm not sure if it was macworld or not but somebody had talked about how they had locked their ipad uh, because it had you know had tried it they had activated it and the iPad was waiting for the secret code to open the iPad. And since the keyboard was hitting different random keys, it never got the right ones and it literally locked it up for them. Um, well, I've had the issue where the keyboard has come on and, and drained the battery. So the moral of the story is go to the Bluetooth switch and turn it off when you're not using the keyboard. 
Yeah. Uh, I've also had the experience where I will have the keyboard downstairs in my bag and I'll be upstairs and uh, my iPad will not let me type on it because it thinks that that Bluetooth keyboard is sitting on my lap. And so you have to go to the settings and turn it off. I think that is something that could use some improvement. They need to figure out a way to easily turn off the Bluetooth keyboard without having to hit through two or three clicks in the settings. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, There is a trick. If you hit the eject key while you have the Bluetooth keyboard paired, it will stop looking at the keyboard. So if you want to, like if you're working for a while, but you don't want to turn off Bluetooth, if you just hit the eject key on the keyboard, then it it essentially stops looking at the keyboard and goes back to the on-screen keyboard. I don't know if it stops looking, but it brings up the on-screen keyboard. But yeah, uh, yeah, I've done that. Anytime, I'm really happy that I bought the keyboard purchase. I know a lot of people are saying, my gosh, by the time you buy the iPad and then you add, you know, 80 bucks for a keyboard and then you add a case and then you add this and then you add this, you know, you could have just gotten a little computer. But I really think that if you're, now I'm a little biased. I I have some carpal tunnel and some uh, issues with my hands. So I tend to to get cramped up very quickly um, with anything that's, that's, you know, non-standard. So I don't type very well, very much on the iPad keyboard. Anything more than a couple of paragraphs, and I'm probably going to be reaching for a, a Bluetooth keyboard. So I'm really glad I got mine because, you know, I can I can go full speed on the Bluetooth keyboard and and really get work done. Uh, I agree that you can definitely type faster on the external keyboard, but the the built-in keyboard is very passable. You know, even with my sausage fingers, I find that I can I can get by pretty good on it. Right. So what about your case? Uh, about my case, um, I ended up going with the the Apple case just really because it was the only one that was available at the time that I had my iPad. And I, I felt very strongly from day one that my iPad really needed a case. Um, I've, I've since been doing some looking around, and I haven't bought an alternative case yet, but I do have my eye on one that's made by, um, I don't know if it's Mareware or Marware, that a, a friend of mine picked up. Um, and it is, I believe it's called their, their convertible case. I'll have to pop it up and put a link into the show notes. Oh, it's called the, um, the EcoView case is what it's called. It's, it's about 45 bucks that you can buy it through their website and also through Amazon. And it's, it's about twice the thickness of the, um, the Apple case, but it's made out of a little nicer, they call it eco leather so it it, it has a much more professional look. So if you wanted to take it into court or, you know, you could just, pretend like it was just a, a regular, you know, nice leather bound notebook. But it, it also has the feature where you can prop the iPad up so you can type on it. And it's got kind of this really cool, I guess you would call it handband, for lack of a better word, where you can slip your hand behind it and it has a an elastic band. So you can really hold the iPad in one hand without risk of it, you know, falling and use it one handed with the other. So I think I'll probably end up picking that one up. Yeah, I'm using the in-case convertible book jacket for the iPad, which is a, that's a really nice case. It is a very protective. It's much thicker than the, the Apple case. And it you can prop up at various angles for typing or watching on it. And it also has the elastic band to close it. I'm not entirely sold on it. The, um, the iPad doesn't always fit in it straight. It's, you know, because it's leather and elastic, everything gets kind of cockeyed sometimes. And you look at it and it's like the screen is almost kind of crooked inside the case. 
and it's not much, but it's enough to be kind of annoying. Uh, but I, I'm really happy with it. Um, I'm looking really seriously at this, um, this moleskin case. I forget what it's called here. I'll, I'll come back to it in a minute. Have you seen this one? The iPad moleskin case? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think it's probably, you know, I probably don't need it. It's, but it, it looks pretty neat. It, it looks like a moleskin, but it holds an iPad. And, uh, hold on one second. I'm just pulling it up here. And it's called the Dodo case. Oh. <laughs> but it looks really nice. But I, I you know, I, I probably am spending too much money. It's like $60 and I don't know. We'll see. I already have a case. So for now I'm happy with this one, but there, there is another one out there that is appealing to me. Yeah. Well, I go, I go back and forth with the Apple case. Um, it's kind of a weird, I don't know if you would call it like a neoprene type material. It's kind of rubbery and it's not stitched. It's more glued or, you know, pressed and molded together. So the edges are kind of rigid, not sharp, but, you know, definitely rigid. And it's, it, I don't want to say it gets dirty easily, but it can get scuffed up pretty easily. Um, the one thing I, I really do like about it is it has that um, ability so that you can flip it open and, and use your iPod, or excuse me, your iPad um, at an angle for easy typing. And it also says that you can flip it so you can stand up your iPad and watch it. That would make me, I mean, it, it's pretty stable. It's pretty stable standing up. But I, I, you know, I probably wouldn't put it standing up if I were on an airplane or a car for, well, maybe for a risk of it tipping over. The one thing I really do like about the Apple case that's a, you know, a, a pro and a con is that it's very thin. So you can really slip this anywhere and, and it will be fine. It adds very, very little bulk to the iPad. So the, the flip side of that also is it's probably not going to offer much protection, you know, if you were to have some kind of mishap. You know, uh, on the subject of protection, this isn't in our outline, but it's a good point. Uh, the company that I use to insure my Mac called Safeware, they also have iPad insurance. And I bought one for mine for my 64 gig, for my 64 gig um, iPad Wi-Fi. I believe it was $59 a year, but it's uh, drop, break, anything. You know, it's covered. Something around $59. So. Well, well, that's pretty good. Now, does that does that cover just the iPad? I don't know something that Apple Care would cover. No, I don't think it really covers manufacturing problems, but that's covered by Apple for a year, right? But the you know if I if I drop it and crack the screen, they'll they'll replace it, you know, or whatever the insurance will do, you know. But it's at zero deductible, fifty nine bucks. I thought you know what, it's worth it for as much as I carry this thing around. Yeah. Definitely. I, I, I may look into something about that. We talked about Apple Care before on, on our Buying a Mac show. And I, I went back and forth about Apple Care on the iPad and ultimately decided not to get it. I didn't think it was a great deal. Um, you know, for the four net, well, for any model iPad, but especially if you're buying the 499 model iPad, you know, Apple Care was 99 bucks. And although it, it offered two years of phone support, that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I mean, I'm going to troubleshoot it myself. It really, you were only getting a year more of warranty coverage on it. And it's 99 bucks, 20% of the price for a year seemed awfully high to me. Yeah, that does. Now, uh, what about this Pogo stylus? Did you get one of those? I did. I, I went out and, well, first off, there's this, there's this really cool app called um, Penultimate. I don't know if you've used it. Yes, I, I use it. 
we'll we'll talk a little bit more about um iPad apps I'm I'm sure a little bit later. But I I wanted a stylus because I wanted to be able to use the iPad a little bit you know like a legal pad. I wanted to be able to jot quick notes or or draw quick sketches on it. Um I don't use the the Pogo stylus at all for um you know pressing buttons or anything. I find I do that just as well with my fingers cuz you obviously can't do multi touch with a a pen type device. Um and it's great for for sketching. I'm finding that combined with my poor handwriting and lack of coordination that it doesn't really do do any better than my finger for handwriting. Yeah, I have a a Pogo stylus. I bought it before the iPad came out because I had to get something for my iPad when I didn't have an iPad. And right. si- since it came out, I think I've used it like twice. Uh I find that my finger generally works and I use Penultimate. I bring it, you know, I'm bringing my iPad in meetings now. I've I've got over it. So uh, when I'm sitting down with somebody, I can scratch a note down, depending on the type of meeting. I also really like my live scribe pen too. But for certain things, the uh, penultimate is just fine, and I just use my finger. And I just plan on using a lot of you know virtual pages and and write big. Yeah. One thing I was really happy about penultimate um, released an update not long ago, and one of the things they added in it was what they call wrist protection. Because if you think about using the iPad like you would a piece of paper, usually your wrist rests on the bottom of the piece of paper. And because the iPod is a multi-touch device, your wrist would either, you know, be making marks on it or it wouldn't detect your pen input because it was it was still detecting where your wrist was resting on it. Um, so they have added a new feature called wrist protection in their new version. So I think that's going to make it a little more usable for me. I'll tell you what the killer feature for penultimate is, is pinch and zoom. You could make if you could pinch into the paper or zoom into the paper, write big and then pinch it back down and have the the text you know shrink down to normal size. Uh, that would be really useful to me. Yeah, I don't. And, it doesn't do that though. Yeah, but that would be a great feature. I wonder mm-hmm. maybe there's another app out there that does it. I'll have to take a look around. Well, maybe maybe they'll listen to our podcast and they'll call that the David and Katie feature. That would be great. Uh, let's talk a little bit more um, about accessories. One of the accessories I bought but actually returned before I opened it uh, was the Apple Dock. I really wanted to use a dock with my iPad, but you know the big downside for me is my iPad has lived in the Apple case ever since I got it, and the dock accessory doesn't work with the case. So by extension, I don't believe the keyboard dock would work either if the iPad was in a case. The Apple case is really hard to get the iPad out of it's a pain that's the one Daisy has and it I was looking at it and you have to work at it uh, that's a nice thing about my end cases it slides right out and I have the dock on my credenza at my office and during the day when I'm not using it as a uh, as a work device it's playing pictures of my family so yeah that's one of the reasons I'm I'm kind of thinking about getting the Marware case and it just it just goes to show how how much more money you can spend. Well, I I got to go spend more money to buy a new case so that I can then go spend more money and buy a new dock. <laughs> yes, it makes sense yeah. to me. Oh, good. Um, I think we've talked about uh, the major accessories. Obviously, there's there's the power issue. The iPod or um, iPad tip. Gosh, I got to stop doing that. Um, does draw more power, but that being said, I really haven't had issues with my current power adapters working with it, although I'm sure it takes longer to charge. Yeah. Are you going out and buying a bunch of iPad-specific adapters? No, not really. I Like I said, I have the the dock at the office, and I took the, the power adapter they gave me with it, and that's at work. 
so it can charge there. And then what I my kind of workflow is I just plug it into my iMac every night and go to bed. And mm-hmm. so it, it's plugged in all night. So rarely am I below 75%. Amazing battery life with this thing. Yeah. All right. I think um, I think that's about it for accessories. Any others that we haven't covered? No, but there'll be a lot more in the future. I see it coming. I know. I'm I'm looking forward to it. File sharing. Mm, this is a problem. Yeah, this is the thing everybody's talking about. So the, the easiest way to f- uh, share files with the iPad, well, I wouldn't call it the easiest way, but the, the built-in way. The Apple way. Yeah, is to, to plug it in, uh, open iTunes, and then there's a window in your iPad tab that allows you to drag uh, compliant documents in. For instance, I have OmniGraffle, so I can pull an OmniGraffle file into that section, and it'll automatically upload to my iPad. You know, I haven't used that at all. I haven't used the Apple way of of getting files on my iPad. I have. It works pretty good. I'm sure it works. I mean, Apple designed it to work. It's just... It's not perfect either because you just... It's not a true finder window. You can't, you know, create subfolders in it, for instance. Um, Right. uh, Using, you know, I'm kind of looking at both Goodreader and a couple of the other, you know, kind of PDF management apps, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I like to do, because I play the piano, uh, not extremely well, but enthusiastically at least. And uh, so sometimes I'm out and somebody says, well, play another song. And, you know, I know there's a couple standards I know that I can just play. And they're like, well, play something else. And, you know, there's only a few that I really know without music. So I loaded, you know, like 200 songs onto my iPad, uh, sheet music, you know, stuff that I had scanned in the past. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that you were playing the piano on your iPad. No, no, no. I, I need a full-size keyboard. But so I wanted to put all this music in in my reader application. And so I thought, well, I'll just drag it over uh, in the iTunes. Well, you can't create subfolders. So mm-hmm. it just dumped all this music right on top of that directory. Uh, the only way to fix it was the other way to talk and we'll talk about that in a minute, but you know, creating a, a Wi-Fi connection and, and going through and, you know, basically tunneling in and creating folders through the finder and then it was fine. But how does Apple not have the ability to create subfolders or, you know, manipulate these folders? It's beyond me that they wouldn't have put that in. Well, and I, I'm hesitant to speak too much. Um, you know, here we are sitting as we record this a week before WWDC but we certainly haven't seen any indication that that's coming in iPhone OS 4.0. I think we've seen just the opposite. I think that yeah. there's reports that they're going to be adding this feature to the iPhone. So they're not running away from it. They're running towards it. And, right. you know, it works to a certain extent. I mean, this is a, it's nice. This is a way you can put files on it. But, you know, and it's so much better than the way things used to be. I mean, it used to be that you had to install on the phone a specific app and kind of cheat around the system. Now you can actually do it from within iTunes, but uh, it could be better. Right. Um, we Well, there's email, obviously. You can always do the email shuffle where you can email a file or many, many programs like Apple's, you know, iWork programs will let you, you know, email a file out of it. And I guess that's that's probably what I do if I'm sharing it with another person, but not necessarily with myself. Well, you know what? Don't underestimate. That's a pretty good way of, of even working by yourself. I, uh, uh-huh. you know, when I'm working on documents, uh, I need to, you know, I will sometimes work on the uh, pages on the iPad. So I'll, I'll get it to myself either by email or some other way. But when I'm done working on it, I just email it to myself right out of pages 
And then the most current version is in my inbox on my Mac. And, you know, it, it kind of harkens back to the days of floppy drives. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I was there, so I have enough discipline to know, okay, well, now I need to work on it over there. I can't work it in both places at the same time. It's not perfect, but it's not that inconvenient, to be honest. Well, there there seems to be a problem with, with versioning, and you just have to... You know, remembering where the most recent version is and is the most recent version, you know, where you need to be at any given time. So you do have to have a discipline to to manage it yourself. Yeah. Um, and then iWork.com. Um, it's it's still technically in beta. Apple really hasn't told us yet what they're going to do with it or or what they're going to charge for it if it ever does come out of beta. But you can share at least your iWork files up through iwork.com are you using that at all it's really tedious it's bad um the i have this theory and uh, i've got a, a a long blog post half written about it i think apple's next big thing is not going to be hardware i think it's going to be serious cloud syncing i mean right now um google is just beating them down with it and and i i can't believe that apple doesn't have a big plan to to really tune up the whole cloud sync thing to get your media your files up there but for now uh, iwork.com is not very useful for an ipad sync device now i i've used it successfully in my profession to send out uh, drafts of keynotes and things for people to see it allowed them to comment on them uh, but i don't really see it really working that well from the ipad as a syncing device yeah i i would even go so far as to say cloud data management with mobile me has been embarrassingly bad. It's, I, I don't know. I, I've got to hope that that's, that's what they're working on. And I think we've seen some, some signs that they're working towards that, but so many of these problems would be fixed if, if Apple would just figure out how to do it as well as Google Dropbox, you know, any of those folks. I think it's coming. I hope so. Um, speaking of Dropbox, let me tell you that that is my, preferred way to manage files on the iPad. And ever since the Dropbox iPad native app came out, um, it's it's been a whole lot easier. And Pastor Frank sent us in a um a, a workflow that I just kind of had to laugh when he when he sent it to me and I emailed him back and I said, yep, already in the show notes, because it's it's exactly what I do. So the main thing I do is I do syncing through third party apps. And primarily, I use Dropbox and, and Goodreader. I'm finding Goodreader was the best 99 cents I ever spent on the iPad. Yeah. And Goodreader has the ability to read and write files into Dropbox, um, and you can pull files in from other sources. So it's it's a little bit of a tango. I think one or both of these apps will get it figured out so it's it's more seamless in the future. Um, but you can keep apps in sync and up in your Dropbox if, if you kind of do the, the good reader Dropbox dance. The iPad is kind of like the Roach Motel, you know? Yeah. Files get in, but they don't get out. They don't come out. Yeah, that's, I mean, right now, Apple's made it very convenient. You get an email, you get something in Goodreader or whatever uh, to put those files into whatever iPad app you want. But uh, getting them out requires sending a separate copy. It doesn't allow you to work off that source file. And uh, Dropbox has this new API that they're issuing. That's going to be killer. Yeah. And that is killer. Yeah. So what, what the idea is, is Dropbox is, as I understand it, going to write, it's got some certain code you can write into your app that you're writing for the iPad and it'll allow the, your app to read and write to that Dropbox file. So in essence, 
the file never exists on your iPad. It's always through the Dropbox app. And so it can go in and out. And then that solves the problem because if you work through that API, uh, when you turn off your iPad, whatever was the last version you worked on is going to be the one that's still on Dropbox. And you can go to your Mac and access the same file and pick up where you left off. And uh, that is going to make Dropbox very valuable to a lot of people. And it's kind of funny that, you know, a third party had to do it and Apple didn't, but we'll see. Well, not only did Apple not do, I, I don't know, that's that's what bothers me is, of course, if Apple does any of this, they're going to do it through their own service. They're going to do it through MobileMe. And and MobileMe on the iPad is, is bad. There is no iDisk app for the iPad. And I just think that's, that's so such a poor showing because Apple is the only company that knew exactly when the iPad was launched and exactly how long it's been in development. And none of their um, apps pre the iWork suite work on the iPad. The remote app is not iPad. Well, they do in that kludgy, you know, 2X iPhone mode. But the the remote app is not optimized for iPad. The iDisk app is not optimized for iPad. The MobileMe Photo Gallery is not optimized for iPad. I just I I don't understand why they didn't have that together. Agreed. Okay. Uh, you talked a little bit about GoodReader. I also like um, air sharing. I'm looking- now I don't have that, so tell me about that. Well, I mean, I, I like the interface on it a little better. It seems a little cleaner, but you know, it's also ten dollars. So. Yeah, I think they're both fine. Oh, oh, oh! I I've used air sharing on the um, on the iPhone before. It's basically a wireless um, file sync. Yeah, well, that I mean, all of these kind of grow out of that, but right, right, they do a lot more now. And I understand air sharing is going to be getting printing and some other interesting features too. I mean, all this stuff is in development. Right. Okay, so uh, we talked about email, iDisk. Good reader, air sharing, iTunes. We we've covered the basics in terms of of sharing files between your iPad, right? Uh, you know, with uh, apps like Good Reader and Air Sharing, it's very simple to add up a connection between your Mac and your iPad. I mean, it's it gives you an address. If you go, if you got the Finder, you don't need any special software. If you hit, you're in the Finder, hit Command G, and that opens up the VNC connection in essence. So you can have a finder window open on your desktop with your iPad. And then you can just drag as many files as you want over and you can create subfolders and organize them very easily. So uh, if you're going to try GoodReader or air sharing, set that up and, and right. they, they give you directions right in the app. It's real simple. So that's a, a bit of advice I would give you on that. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about some of our favorite apps, but before we do that, let's talk about, one of my favorite apps, um, and that's made by our second sponsor of the day, Smile on My Mac. And um, I want to talk about Text Expander for the iPad. Yep. Wait a minute. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> Any day now. Uh, Text Expander, uh, they have the iPhone app, and I've been running the iPhone app on my iPad. As have I. In fact, this is one where I don't really have not felt a burning desire to have the iPad app, because so much of what Text Expander does is silent in the background. Right. And as long as you have the app installed, you have your snippets synced up, it's going to work whether you, you need to open up the app or not. Yeah. I mean, for instance, it works with Simple Note, which is one that of my very favorite apps. That's going to be my example. Yep. Yeah, so uh, 
so you've got all the snippets built in and uh, you hit them in simple note and they shoot right out. Uh, so, but we got a note from the developers of smile on max text expander saying they're hoping by the time WDBC, excuse me, WWDC starts, we are going to have an iPad native version of text expander and I can't wait to see what they do with it. So first week in June ish, hopefully. Yeah. Now, what do you use a uh, text expander for on your iPad besides simple note? I use text expander in conjunction, um, with email, I do almost all of my email signatures come out of um, come out of Text Expander, and I have a lot of um, oh, I feel bad saying this. I have a lot of pre-designed, prefabbed email responses to common emails that I get all of the time that come out of Text Expander. So for those, I'm either going through the Text Expander app, um, or some of them I have, and I'm using in conjunction with PasteBot, which is also not yet iPhone optimized. But I've just, I have so many snippets in Text Expander that it, you know, iPad app, which I'm really excited for it to come, um, or not, it still saves me a ton of time. So the Text Expander for iPhone is $4.99. I don't have any idea if it's going to be a separate version for iPad or not. Uh, But, you know, you might want to sit tight if you're looking to buy it just for the iPad, just to see how that all shakes loose. But but keep your eye out. It's going to be there soon. And if you don't already have it on your iPhone, it's a great $4.99. And the function, although you can certainly use Text Expander on your iPad or your iPhone as a standalone app, it is vastly more improved if you use it in conjunction with the Text Expander app on your Mac, which is one of the apps that I cannot live without, one of the first apps I install on my Mac. So you can find that and all the information about Text Expander Touch, um, as well as the other great products over at smileonmymac.com. And thanks, guys, as always, for supporting our show. I had a PC friend looking over my shoulder the other day, and I was doing some entries on something that I use a lot of snippets on, and he called it voodoo computing. He <laughs> says, what is this voodoo computing you're doing? Because, <laughs> you know, I'm just hitting a couple keys, and paragraphs are showing up, and signatures are going in. It was great. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about using this thing at work. Um, so you, you're not, are you bringing it to the office at all? Not, not necessarily at work. Let's say let's using it for work. Okay. But yes, I am bringing it to the office. Okay. So the first thing you're going to look at is the iWork apps. You know, I, I bought all three of the iWork apps right off the bat. I don't know whether that was necessarily a very smart thing to do because I must admit I have barely touched numbers in Keynote. Yeah. I, I bought all three and I use all three. I, I'm a big Keynote user. I mean, I, I have two or three spreadsheets that I use every day and having versions on my iPad are is super, uh, well, I like, you know, I would use them a lot more often if the versioning was a, was a better fit. One of the things I do is I have a, um, a spreadsheet. It's, I call it interest combobulator, you know, for lack of a better term. But, uh, as an attorney, a lot of times I'm at court and we have, uh, settlements and things where we're going to pay interest over a certain amount and, so I've, I've created a nice sheet that lays it all out and it uses really big words and screen. So it's just really easy for people to look over my shoulder and see it. And that's, it's a sheet that I've now put on my iPad and that's great. You know, I can be sitting across a table from an attorney. We type in some numbers, we can change it right there. Um, oh, so you're really using it kind of more as a calculator. Well, sort of. I mean, that's one sheet. Um, right. Uh, there's a lot of them that I use, but just for that purpose, it's great. And the way that, um, the iPad numbers handles entry is really smart. If you have a date field, 
it gives you the option of it gives you date keys. I mean, so it's it's very intelligent. You know, it recreates the keyboard based on the type of data you're entering, which I think is is pretty smart. It's obvious in hindsight, but I'm not sure I would have thought of it going in. Uh, the uh, iPad um, Keynote is is good to a limit. Um, what I'm finding mm-hmm. for that is, you know, for instance, when I give real presentations, I like to use a remote. I, I don't want to be having stuff in my hands because then I'll end up looking at it or, or fiddling with it when I should be, you know, paying attention to the audience. So I'm not sure if I'm going to use it for big presentations, but for little ones, it works fine. Um, you know, I like being able, and even the other thing I find very useful for it is the presentation to one person. You know, when you're sitting with one or two people at a coffee table and you can just kind of have those slides slide across, let them see it. Sometimes I'll just hand it to them. Really and let them flip through it. Yeah. It's just really useful for that. And it's, uh, it's very nice that way. I'm sure it'd be good for like elevator pitches if you were in sales or if you're sitting on an airplane, uh, assuming that the person actually wanted to see it, you know, don't abuse this power. And uh, well, they will want to see it if it's on an iPad. Yeah. One thing. And pages is neat too. Although, I have my own ideas about word processing on an iPad I'll talk about in a little bit. Right. Um, I, I had a, a very interesting use of Keynote. I was in a, a fairly big mediation and I was, you know, as part of my opening, I was, I was given a, a presentation that was very graphic and, um, you know, very photo intensive. And um, I created the Keynote on the Mac because it was a, you know, it was a pretty involved presentation, but I was very aware as I was creating it on the Mac to make sure that it would be iPad compatible. And I found that it would, I really couldn't give the presentation from my iPad like you found because the setup where we were, you know, I had a projector that I had to plug my Mac into and the projector was actually physically probably about six to eight feet away from me. Because as I was giving the presentation, I was standing up by the screen and my Mac was back uh, plugged into the projector. It wasn't as though I had an extension cord that I could get the Mac close to me. Um, and so obviously I would need a remote and, and the iPad wouldn't have worked for that because the iPad would have had to have been you know, pretty closely tethered to the projector without this big long cord running across the room. So I ended up giving the presentation off of the, the Mac connected, but I also had the same presentation on my, my iPad. And after I was done giving the presentation to the larger audience, I put the Mac away and put it back in my car, but was sitting there with the, the iPad and the keynote open. And, you know, as we, as we were going back and forth in the negotiations and talking with the the various parties, I had it right there, kind of like you were talking about in a more intimate one-on-one setting. So I could go back to the the photo that I was talking about or the, the graph that I was talking about and, and have it right there without having to pull out and look around the Mac. Okay. Here's a, here's a killer tip, a little off topic. If you're using Goodreader or if you're using one of these other PDF reading apps, set up bookmarks in your Adobe mm-hmm. files. Um, yeah. So I've got, you know, kind of on that theme, uh, I've got a case and I've got all the pleadings, you know, I've got the complaint and different pieces of it, correspondence, uh, contracts, all of it in one really big Adobe file, all bookmarked. So I can be sitting there and someone can say, well, what paragraph three of the com- of the uh, contract say? Well, I just go to the table of contents and, and the PDF file in Goodreader and push a button and it just shows up immediately. 
I mean, it's, it, it's, it's such a game changer for me when I have that because I can get to anything immediately and it just scares the heck out of the people that I'm dealing with because they're like, how does this Whoa, guy have all he's this prepared? Yeah. It, and it's really not that hard. Uh, uh, you know, I have people helping me do it, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, you set up bookmarks and you can do it in PDF pen pro, or you can do it in Adobe, uh, Acrobat pro. You can create these, these bookmarks. You just drop that file onto your iPad and, you know, whatever your business is, uh, you can have access to all of that information you need very quickly. Oh, yeah, that's that's a great use for it. Um, so so pages I've I've probably used most of all. I, I was really happy when they did the 1.1 update because previously I use my iPad most often in horizontal mode. I don't know about you. But previously, you couldn't have the menu bar in the horizontal mode. You always had to turn it back vertically to get the menu bar, and that always annoyed me. But thankfully, they they fixed that in the one point one update. And I'm I'm really using it more for for basic word processing. I'm I'm not really using it for any kind of you know creation of brochures or newsletters or those other things that you can do with pages. And especially with combined with the external keyboard, I'm I'm finding it very adequate for you know, letters or correspondence or blog posts or whatever I, I want to type up while I'm on the go. I've barely launched pages since um, Simple Note landed on the iPad. Well, that's yeah. probably true, too. Yeah, I, I work in text a lot, and, you know, Simple Note is free, although I do have the enhanced service, you know, where you get extra cloud storage and stuff like that. But uh, it's very cheap if you do with that. But the, the app is free. It takes text. You can throw as much text at it as you want. It syncs. This this solves the syncing problem for text. You know, you're doing the simple note notational velocity tango. Yeah, I wrote it up at Max Sparky. So you have yeah. notational velocity on your Mac, and you have simple note on your iPad. And you know, I can be sitting over my tacos, you know, writing a blog post, get back to the office or home or wherever I'm going to post from. Just go into notational velocity. It's already there. I don't need to email myself anything. I don't need to plug anything in the text is there and then I can continue working where I left off. So what it makes it for me is the uh, iPad becomes a, a device for drafts. It doesn't become a, a device for proofreading or finalizing. And that's a little disappointing to me. So uh, if you want to do that, then you need to get into pages. Uh, right now I'm working on some writing projects that re- require me to do a lot of work in Microsoft Word and there's really not a good solution for proofreading Microsoft Word documents on it yet. But uh, for writing text and getting those drafts in, it's awesome. Well, we should note that you can import Microsoft Word documents and export Microsoft Word documents from within pages. Yeah, but I'm talking about when you get... No, I, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I just wanted to mention... Yes, you can. But I'm, when you're getting towards the end and you're almost done and you're ready to, you know file or submit or do something with a document, uh, you don't want to be goofing with the formatting, jumping through different apps at the end. It needs to be in whatever format it needs to be in. So uh, right. that that's a little, uh, that's, I'm unsatisfied with that part of it, but um, simple note makes dealing with text really easy. And for me, anything I write is in text until about the last 10%. You know, it doesn't get pretty for me until the very end. So uh, Simple Note solves most of the problem for me. Yeah, I, that one and Instapaper are probably my two, you know, favorite apps. How are you managing your email on the iPad? You you have a very specific email workflow on your Mac. Are you able to use the iPad to um, to um, 
kind of prioritize and categorize and, and get rid of some of your email? Uh, my email system has changed since we recorded that show. Oh, I sense an update show coming. As a direct result of the iPad. I, uh, you know, I used to route everything to the mobile me account. And then there's a way on the Mac that you can send from different email addresses. Right. And that's never worked on the iPhone or the iPad. You have to have a separate account for each account to send from it. And now I have I've expanded a little bit. I've, I've split the Mac Sparky and the, and the personal mobile me account into two separate accounts. And so now I can reply from Mac Sparky on the iPad and it, it really isn't that much trouble, but I am looking forward to this unified inbox that Steve has promised me. Yeah. And all of your stuff is IMAP, right? So you're still throwing stuff into your folders yeah. or. Yeah. I mean, IMAP is the only way to go. I, a friend of mine the other day was using, is using pop with an iPad and a, um, and a Mac and she's about to get an iPhone. I'm thinking oh. it just, it just makes, it just makes my, uh, my, my heart bleed thinking about trying to do that with pop. You know? And have you explained to her that there's a better way? Yes. But she's insistent on this one service provider who doesn't mm. have anything but pop. I said, I'll set up a Gmail account for you. Please let me do this. Yeah. She'll come around. She'll come around. Well, it, it, you know, sometimes you just have to suffer through that pain for a while. Yeah. How about you? What, how are you doing? And, and I'm sorry, in terms of managing the email, nothing has changed. I still have my action folder and I still reply from the iPad. And sometimes I just drop into action folder and deal it later when I'm really ready to deal with email. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because uh, previously I've always had two accounts that were separate. I always kept separate uh, my work account, which is an exchange account, um, and my personal account, which was a mobile me account that everything kind of filtered through. And we talked about that whole workflow on our, our uh, first and second show where we talked all about the email. But especially with the iPad, I did pull out, you know, for example, our Mac Power Users account. So I now have three accounts on the iPad for that very reason. I'm I'm responding to more email on the iPad um, more frequently and in more lengthy and more meaningful responses that I, I really wanted to be able to do that from all of my accounts for the iPad. So yes, I, I too have pulled it up. Um, you know, I'm using Exchange with the Office, Mobile Me, and then an IMAP for um, another account. And it it seems to work really well. My my biggest gripe is there are not separate uh, email signatures that, that you can create per account. Um, text expander solves some of that, but unfortunately, you know, Apple doesn't plug into text expanders API. So I can't do it directly from within the email app, but it's workable. Yeah. But I find just sitting down and replying to emails on the iPad is, is an enjoyable experience. And the way that allows you to group and sort emails, is also very intuitive. I think they right. did a good job with it. I, although I, I really think this unified inbox, the next steps with the new iPhone operating system that we're going to see soon are going to be important. Yeah, I agree. Right. Um, let's talk about uh, RSS because I find now that I'm doing most, if most of my RSS reading with on my iPad and I feel a little bad because when you told me before you got your iPad that you were doing most of your RSS sorting through your iPhone, I kind of laughed at you. So do you see the light now? I do kind of see the okay. light, yeah. It, it, it's the way to go. Uh, wh- which app are you using for it? Um, I broke down and I did buy NetNewsWire. Um, and I, I'm really enjoying it on the iPad. Their first release was pretty buggy. And I had some crashing issues with that. But they seem to have gotten that resolved. 
and I use NetNewsWire on the iPad. It syncs up with the with the Mac version. And I also use um, a product that they have for the PC to, to read RSS feeds at work, which for some reason doesn't always sync up. But it's, you know, it's, it's in my workflow, so I decided to keep it all consistent. Uh, I love Reader on my iPhone. It's with the two E's. Right. And uh, it is coming. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. One of the, my favorite things in, about Instapaper, I'm sorry, I just, I just gave it away. One of my favorite things about NetNewsWire is it has really great integration with Instapaper. Um, so a lot of the times, you know, we talked about, especially if you're without connectivity, if I'm, if I'm really in a hurry and I'm getting ready to leave, I'll browse through, I'll grab the files that I want to, want to read later, you know, out of, um, out of net newswire, throw them into Instapaper, launch Instapaper quickly so that it can download what it needs to download and then read them on the go with Instapaper. Cause I'm really enjoying the Instapaper experience. I was, I was thinking about Instapaper for like a month, uh, the month leading up to the iPad launch. I mean, every time I'd be sitting down, I'd be thinking, man, I wish I had Instapaper on an iPad right now. And I have not been disappointed. I just, no. I, I love that app. I, you know, I sit in bed and read Instapaper. I read that more than I read iBooks, to be honest with you. And it's just, they did such a great job. There's so much love and attention in that user interface. Uh, I I just can't say enough about how pleasurable it makes the process of reading the stuff that you like off the web. I mean, I agree. I mean, just, just go buy it. Uh, if you, if you read any stuff on the web, no matter what your interest is, like you said, if you get the right, you know, you can put the bookmarklet in Safari. You can get the right Net uh, Net Newswire, one of these uh, reader apps that gives you, you know, one or two but- button presses to send to Instapaper, and you're just off to the races. It's so nice, and you know, it looks like you're reading a book. the The way they do the pagination, even though Apple, you know, doesn't you don't have the developers don't have the same tools the people who wrote iBooks do, but they still just did a great job to make it dim or to turn the pages. You know, it's it's really nice to see an app that's made with that much attention. And, uh, you know, it's the top left corner on page one of my iPad. Great app. Mine's actually down in my dock. Mine's not. I, I use it that much. But, you know, you mentioned the Instapaper bookmarklet, which I have in all of my web browsers, both at home and at work. I've got that little read later button. Um, but it also syncs over to the iPad. And your bookmark bar is uh, viewable on Safari on the iPad. So a lot of times, you know, if I'm just going through and looking at stuff real quick, I, I click that little read later button and boom, off to Instapaper it goes. Um, I don't know if you've played much with VNC. Have you tried to do any remote access with your iPad? I have, and I'm really enjoying it, actually. Um, the the app I use, I think I got from your recommendation, is Log Me In. Is that what you're using as well? No. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's a good, great app. I may have told you to get it, but I, I bought I bought into iTeleport a long time ago. So, but a lot of attorney right. friends I know are using LogMeIn. Well, well, talk to us about the um, the iTeleport app, and then I'll tell you about LogMeIn. Okay, I'm actually using two apps. Um, the the iTeleport is what I use for my Macs, and it's I believe twenty four ninety nine. It's an expensive app for your iPad, but the the yeah. version they are selling now works on both iPad and iPhone. And you install some hosting software on your Mac, and you can teleport into your Mac from anywhere. It works much better than, in my experience, it works much better than back to my Mac. And uh, 
you know, I was in, like I said, I was in San Diego at a relative's house and I was able to log on to my iMac at home and, and get access to something I needed. And, you know, it pinches and zooms and it's got all the, the regular expected buttons and, you know, it gives you the ability to have remote access of your Mac from anywhere. I use um, LogMeIn, which is a web-based service, and for simple remote controlling of a Mac, it, it's free. There are some pro features that I don't think that I would ever use, but that you can use for a for a fee. And um, the iPad interface for LogMeIn just works so well. And be, it, they also have an iPod ver, or excuse me, an iPhone version. So it's a hybrid app. You buy it once. It's I want to say twenty nine, so it's right around thirty bucks. Um, and you get both the iPad optimized version and the iPhone version. Um, and you can install it on Macs or PCs. It doesn't really matter. You you load up this the software on the individual computers. You set it so that you have access. And then you really forget about it. Um, I've, I've loaded LogMeIn on my parents' computers, on my computer, on my grandparents' computer. And, you know, it just sits there in the background for any time all of a sudden there's a problem and they say, oh, I'm having an issue with this. You know, I can just fire it up and I can fire it up on the web browser in my Mac, which which works great. But if I'm not in front of my Mac, I can do almost all of it uh, through the iPod or iPad as well, just because it's it's such a, a, a large interface that I can touch and manipulate and move and slide and scale and click and do all that other fun stuff. Now, for my work, uh, I, I talked to my uh, IT guy, and he wanted me to use a different one called Jump Desktop, which when I bought it was $10, but now I'm looking as, as $20. And, uh, and we had some certain security stuff, and he helped me configure it, but that gives me the same access, so I can get into my Windows 7 desktop computer at work from anywhere as well, but I have to use a different app. So the, the good news is there's a lot of stuff out there. It's all already optimized for the iPad. And these things, it's really great. I mean, with this big screen, it's very useful. I, I always thought that, you know, the VNC stuff from the iPhone was kind of cute, but I didn't know how helpful it was. But, you know, this really works because you've got enough room to, to get something done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and the iPhone app was great in a pinch, but the the iPad app is even better. And I just I have to say, I really love the developers who give us hybrid applications. Yeah. That just makes me so happy. So you are getting work done on your, your iPad. Absolutely. You know, I'm he- getting work done I, on my I iPad. I hear all this stuff about how it's a consumption device. And most of the stuff I do on it is, uh, is content creation. I, I don't do that much consumption. It's great. I've watched some movies on it. I use the ABC app until Lost ended. Now I don't know what I'm going to use it for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know, it's, it, I really find this very useful. I'm carrying it around with me at work all the time now. And, and it's useful. I mean, there's a lot of great tools on it. Another good business tool, if uh, if you're into that kind of thing, is the Power One Financial Calculator, which is, Ooh. I think it's about 10 bucks. I don't know how much it is exactly, but they have an iPad. It's a universal. Once you get it, it works both on the iPad and the iPhone, and it's just a great financial calculator. Well, and the, the last thing I want to point out is, is we're kind of wrapping up apps. Evernote is another one that I didn't add to our outline that I use all the time that just fits in my workflow. For certain things. And I think you pointed this out to me as well, David, is there are a lot of sites that don't have iPad or um, a lot of things that we use, a lot of services that we use that maybe has an iPhone app but doesn't have an iPad app yet. For a long time, Dropbox was an example of that, but they got their act together and got an iPad app. 
Uh, Facebook, which I know you recently ditched, doesn't have an iPad specific app. Um, and I'm, I mean, don't forget about web apps on the iPad uh, because the the web app experience on an iPad is a, a much better experience than it is on the iPhone. It's 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 really very close to the true web. Yeah, I mean, just go to go to the site in Safari. If they don't yeah. have, you know, like Mint is a good one. They don't have a Mint app yet, but if you go to the site with Safari, I'm not sure you need an app. It's just like sitting at your Mac. Well, yeah, and if you click the little the bookmark, the plus sign, you know, from within mobile um, Safari on the iPad, you can either add a bookmark or you can add it to the home screen. Yeah, and you're done. And then you've got, you know, it's it it looks like an app. Yeah. So what we talked about getting work. What's your guilty pleasure? <laughs> I really like the Netflix app. Um, I I like Twitterific is my um, my Twitter client. Um. I don't know if it's guilty pleasure. I have a solitaire app that I play quite a bit when I'm, you know, just mindlessly listening to something or looking for something to do. I really like the USA Today app. I don't know. If the, I, I sound pretty boring though, don't I? Yeah, you, those are my guilty pleasures. Yeah, you do. I don't have any games. I have played a few games, like what was the um, the labyrinth, the the trial version of that. Yeah. Um, I did play that and went all the way through the trial levels, and then I was just kind of over it. My eight year old and I have kind of been obsessed with angry birds, which is a great one. Uh, you get to shoot birds and knock down things and take care of contentious pigs. But, okay. but the game that I, I find myself playing probably more than I should is words with friends. It's like a Scrabble game. Okay. But you can yeah. set it up remotely. I've got right now, I've got a game going with Don McAllister. I've got a game going with my nephew. I've got a game going with my buddy JF. So, so I'm sitting there working, and you know how I have all these alarms turned off, you know, email never notifies me, none of that stuff. I'm, I won't allow any of that stuff to get in my way. But words with friends. Words with my friends, I have not turned off. And when that thing dings, I cannot help myself to find out what somebody has just, you know, dropped on the board and how many points did they get against me. And I Oh, just think how unproductive you're being. I know, but it's, it's so fun. I love words with friends. I, I am really surprised at how much I'm into this game. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, the trick is to, you know, to, to, to draw the game out. Like, you know, me and Don, we do like one move every day or two, you know, that, that's kind of the right, the right mood, but it's really a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I need, I don't know. Part of me says I don't even want to get started with that because I know I won't be able to stop. Great app. I recommend it. Yeah. Well, I don't have it on my iPhone for a reason, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what is the iPad? We've talked about what the iPad does. What doesn't it do? It doesn't do a lot. Um, I, I really want to stress to people, especially, uh, you know, the folks in my Mac users group, they all want to buy an iPad for themselves or their family members in lieu of a computer. And I just, I cannot stress enough that it is not a computer replacement. It's a computer supplement for sure, but it's not a computer replacement. You can't, you know, the biggest thing is there's no printing on the iPad. I don't know how you can, you know, function with a computer without having the ability to print, although I guess a lot of people don't very often. Um, and you still have to be able to plug the iPad into a computer to get software updates and, you know, back it up and, and things like that. So, you know, it's it's it does a lot of things. It can replace a computer for... I don't know. I, I want to stick with it. It can supplement a computer. It cannot completely replace a computer. And didn't you hear, hear Steve said, though, that printing, it's coming? 
So, well, Steve said in an email that printing is coming, and I am waiting for WWDC, so I hope it will. But I don't think it will soon. I'm sorry, I have to stop for a minute. Somebody just sent me a note that they put some words for friends to me. My nephew did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, you know, I don't miss printing on the the iPad so much. I That's because I have a computer connected to a printer, and I kind of look at it as a draft device. I mean, the final tweaks are usually done on a computer and printed. So I haven't noticed that I've really missed it. And I'm also a big PDF nut. I don't, and I don't like to use dead tree printing, uh, unless I really, really need to. And it's not that often that I need to. So I, I understand why it's a big deal with some people, but I haven't really missed it. Right. Um, okay. I agree with you. It's not really a computer replacement, although for some people it could be, but it would have to be someone with very limited needs on a computer. Yeah, but they're still going to have to have access to a computer. They're going to have to have somebody who helps them manage it. Yeah, that's true. So. It's great. It's a new device. Um, I'm very pleased for a 1.0. It's, it's you know, Apple has got a lot of nice features in it. I, I don't really think this is a 1.0. I mean, no, I mean, I think, I think iPhone was the 1.0. Yeah, and I think it's built on so much on existing technology that it, they were really able to hit the ground running, and I think it's a great device. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy with the iPad. If if you're on the fence and you really don't want to buy it, don't touch it. If you touch it, you'll buy it. Yeah, in fact, at Daisy's um, retreat with her friends, she had someone there who refused to touch her iPad the entire time she was there. <laughs> she just looked at it, and she never touched it the whole time she was there. Then two days after uh, Daisy got home, her friend called and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go buy one. Which one should I get? <laughs> yeah. It is a pretty neat device. Yeah, I, I think Apple really, they did it right. Um, now, we talked about how it's not, it's, it's not a computer replacement. I think it is a tablet replacement. What are you talking about? Well, a lot, of, I'm sorry, you're right. I think it's a, um, gosh, my mind just drew a blank. What are those little tiny computers that people are buying that they hate? Ultra mobile PCs yes, or, yes. or the yeah, um, yeah, yeah. netbook? I think it's a netbook replacement. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it, it is a tablet. It's a netbook replacement. I think it depends. I mean, if you're really hung up, you have to have a physical keyboard. If you want the camera, I mean, there's there's features. Go buy a laptop. Yeah. Go buy a 999 yeah. MacBook. Oh, I've written on that as well. Uh, my, my thoughts on a netbook, and there are some very colorful comments directed to me in that post. But uh, I am not a fan of the netbook, and that's just me. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about our sponsor, Fuse Meeting. They, uh, they have a great product. Uh, you know, a lot of times you're going to be doing these meetings. We're getting in a world where uh, people want to telecommute. They want to have meetings. They don't want to have to come to your office. And a lot of things we're working with involve creative stuff, you know, high-end uh, videos, images. You want to share this stuff. You know, we've gone beyond the point of just sticking a Word document on the screen. Uh, even the kind of work you and I do a lot of times we have media-rich uh, presentation or data we want to share with people. Uh, Fuse Meeting solves that problem. They've got a way where you can upload all your media assets in advance of your meeting so the people on the downside don't have to spend their bandwidth and, and trouble trying to get the, the data up to the cloud and back down to them. It's already up there waiting for them. It's a browser-based, so they don't have to install any special software, and it allows you to present uh, your rich media the way you want to. You can have high-definition video, you can freeze frame, and you're going to get all the advantages of that high-end quality video uh, for your remote uh, your remote meeting. 
meeting solutions have have become very popular and and rightly so because these the applications including fuse meeting are getting so good so powerful that you really got to start looking at how much time and money and effort am i wasting you know to go sit in front of somebody across the conference table and have them slide me uh, a notebook with a bunch of presentations in it and how much more productive you could be if you didn't spend all that time traveling if you didn't spend you know all that money on hotel accommodations and meals and and all other kinds of expenses and how quickly you can just actually get what you need to be done, get in, get out, get it over with. And I, I really like with Fuse Meeting, you know, I think you mentioned this before, is that you can seed it with all of your documents, just like you would spend time prepping uh, for a meeting before you hosted it, you know, in real life. You get your PDFs, you get your movies, you get your videos, you get your slides, you throw them up all on Fuse Meeting. You give out the information to all of your participants. They've got access. You can look at the documents. You can annotate the documents. Um, you can chat. You can voice conference. You can Skype. Um, you know, you can really interact with all of this data in the meetings in a very meaningful way. Um, and and Fuse Meeting, I think if you'll price it up against the the competition, you'll you'll see that uh, they're very very competitive in the pricing category. Um, you know, I'm from California, and I do like granola. So I can also talk about the fact that when you have these meetings and everybody's driving and flying all over the place, you've got a carbon footprint that's pretty large. A lot of times that's not necessary. Uh, so, you know, you put these meetings together, it's fast, it's easy, and it's efficient. Um, they've got a great deal now. Uh, it's a 30-day free trial. And you get a $25 iTunes gift certificate if you sign up. So, you know, try it for 30 days. And if you like it, you can even go buy some of these apps we've been talking about today. So you can save your boss a ton of money by not having to travel to meetings and buy yourself a bunch of iPad apps. Win-win. So if you want to check it out, you go to FuseMeeting slash Mac. FuseMeeting, F-U-Z-E, meeting.com slash Mac. And we do want to thank FuseMeeting for their sponsorship of the podcast. All right. So we didn't do feedback on our last workflow shows with Dan Benjamin. So we do have a lot of it now. Okay. Well, let's start. Um, Let's dig in. Okay, Bruce uh, takes me to task about my nested folders mania. Oh, Bruce. He was talking about the Hazel show, and uh, he said he wonders about the usefulness of filing documents in nested folders. Maybe I'm a spotlight geek, but ever since the introduction of this feature, paying attention to where files live means very little to me. Makes a lot of sense. You know, if you've got things tagged and, and put there. Uh, I, I would say that I am an old dude and that's the way I've always remembered doing it, you know, with nested folders. So it's going to be hard for me to give that up, even though I do have search built in. And to be honest, I find a lot of this stuff with search, but I like the, the portability of the nested folders. You know, the idea that I can just drag all that onto another drive if I'm switching to a different computer and it's all organized pretty for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a big fan of nested folders. Obviously the more advanced these search tools are getting, is it necessary to have nested folders anymore? No, probably not. Well, another, I think Merlin Mann talked a little bit about this. Um, but there is something about, you know, just being able to organize and me being able to structurally visualize where things are that I find very helpful. Another advantage for me of the nested folders is now that I'm using stuff on the iPad, um, I have nested folder organization in my Dropbox folder. Mm-hmm. And that makes it really easy using the Dropbox app which we really didn't talk about that much, but it is awesome uh, to get to some stuff, you know, because you don't really have the spotlight file search that doesn't go through the Dropbox app. But 
since I have everything nested, I can get to what I need pretty quickly. Right. So Bob wrote in with a unique solution that I'm going to steal from him in terms of managing screenshots. I do this a lot. I'm sure you do this a lot, especially with your blog posting, you know, when you, when you want to show lots of screenshots and, you know, Bob says, here's the problem. So you take a screenshot, you take a couple of them and you do the, the key combo and you get this PNG file on your desktop that says like, you know, 2010-5-28 at, you know, whatever time of day. Um, and then you would, you know, maybe you'd convert the file, maybe you'd rename it, but it's, it's really easy to automate it with Hazel. So what he's done is he set his desktop as a directory um, that Hazel watches. And whenever he makes a screenshot, he's got an automator workflow that will find the file in the finder, um, pop up a dialog box for him to rename it. And he said that there's a, a finder rename uh, automator workflow that, that you can download. And we'll link to that to the show notes. And then there's a Hazel rule that will move the file to the screenshot directory, run this automated workflow that will allow you to rename the file. And then he has, you know, show you a ground notification and let you know what this is done. And he also changes the file type from PNG. to. Oh, JPEG. yeah, he does. Change, right. He does change the file type. So he really doesn't have to do anything except when it pops up the little box to say, what do you want to name this? Type in whatever he wants. Yeah. Ingenious. This is the payoff. You know, I, I knew when we did this Hazel show, I was going to learn stuff. And, and I quickly found out. I was right. Yeah. You guys thought we did the Hazel show for you? Uh-uh. Yeah. We just wanted to use your collective uh, Borg mind to come up with cool Hazel scripts for us. Yes. Yes. Uh, Tom wrote about uh, Dropbox and Hazel. Um, he's been using Hazel for almost a year and thought he'd share uh, one of his uh, very specific useful uh, workflows for Hazel and Dropbox uh, and shared folders. So he does collaborative work with different people. He said a great way to make use of the shared folders with with Dropbox. However, if a colleague or client places a new file in the folder or modifies the existing one, he didn't know. So unless he'd go and manually look at it. So he created a workflow uh, with Hazel and uh, it looks for a uh, date modified or created within a certain period. And then it gives him a notice or it colors the file yellow actually is the way he did it. So he could just go in and look and he'd find out exactly what was new, but he could also put a growl notification in there too, if he wanted, but that was pretty smart. Right. Um, we did get an email from John, which I think goes back to back several episodes. Um, and he said that he knows that we talk about mail a lot, which makes sense because David and I both use Apple mail, but that we didn't really discuss entourage, which, which he prefers over mail. And, um, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about with Apple mail can be done with entourage. I used entourage for years, um, when I needed to sync with an exchange server before Apple mail made that possible, and, you know, for a while before um, uh, before the, the switch to the Intel platform, at that point, I did make the switch over to Mail because Entourage was, was being uh, used through Rosetta and it was a lot slower than Apple Mail. And then I, you know, it, it took about a year or so for Microsoft to figure out and get Entourage updated and I never really went back at that point. So I did just want to mention that, you know, just about everything we talk about in Apple Mail you know, can be done in other email programs. And Entourage is a good option, although keep in mind it's not going to be around for long. With um, Office, uh, the next version of uh, Microsoft Office, they are replacing Entourage with Outlook, uh, which I think may even be a little more compelling reason to start using it. Yeah, because I think it, a lot of good things about Outlook. I think it may be a very good thing for us Mac users to have Outlook. Um, uh, Paul wrote in and talked about something he discovered with Hazel, uh, the contains condition 
he was testing with some credit card statements and he wanted to see uh, if he could do it without having to go through and manually rename them the way I was talking about. I did. And he has the contains condition. Look for words that are inside an OCR PDF document. And he reports that it worked. And I haven't had time to go check it. But if that's true, that's pretty cool. So if you've got a file that contains the word the gas company or whatever, uh, then it could rename it for a gas bill. Uh, I'm going to be trying that out soon. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is cool. Um, ben wrote in and um, made a good point about that we kind of brushed off the idea. We had someone email us and say, is there any reason to partition a drive? And I think our answer was pretty unequivocally no, unless you're using boot camp. There's really no reason to partition um, your Mac's internal hard drive. And I, I still kind of hold that to be true. Ben did post a comment um, saying that another reason to partition the drive was performance. You know, most of the drives now are small enough that you can uh, improve your speed significantly, he argues, by partitioning the drive in half, put the ins- information that you constantly use on the first half of the drive or one quarter of the drive or however you want to manage it, which will improve your read-write speeds. And you can use the rest to archive data or reference or or things that you, you only use occasionally. So he he did post in the, the comments a, a link to a CNET blog that um, or a ZDNet blog that talked about it. And he, you know, talks about, of course, you know, your mileage may vary depending on your drive. And, you know, I guess, I don't know. I, I still kind of stand with, I, I don't think I would partition a max internal drive, but there are reasons why it could be useful. Yeah. I'm still not going to do it. No, <laughs> but thanks for but writing. Thanks, it. Yeah. I, I, I know some people use it and that's great. Okay. So my friend, John over at creativityist.com, uh, wrote in with a hazel, a near hazel catastrophe. Okay, mm. so he has a folder in his uh, archive, and he uses it to keep documents and Dropbox folder clean. So Hazel Rule watches those folders and dumps files that haven't been accessed in a certain amount of time into the archive. All right. Mm-hmm. So he's he's the idea is you know get the old stuff out, just keep the fresh stuff uh, in your home directory. Well, something went wrong with VMware, and his system rebooted and thought that it was December 2000. And Hazel said, wow, you know, this stuff hasn't been accessed since December 2000. This is all old. It emptied out his entire Dropbox folder and all of his other stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fortunately, he knew where it was going. But uh, if he had it thrown in the trash, that would have been messy. So and uh, (laughs) that was an interesting story. So be careful. You know, when you're running automation tools, uh, they are just dumb computers and they do exactly what you told them, even when you don't want them to. Right. David, um, or I'm sorry, Eric wrote in with, um, uh, some color coding ideas for desktop rules. And he mentioned that one thing he always does when creating a, a Hazel rule is for it to check for the files label color. Now this is something that, that I don't use much of. I don't do a whole lot of labeling of files, you know, unless it's like the one file that I constantly access in a, you know, folder full so that I need to be able to easily see it. Um, But Eric said he only uses it. uh, He tells Hazel if, if it is labeled, um, don't do anything with it. Or I guess if it's not labeled, don't do anything with it. So that way he can specifically, you know, kind of granularly tell Hazel, Hey, I do, or I don't want you to process anything for whatever reason, you know, with this file. And that way he doesn't have to remember to turn Hazel off and on and, you know, he can just use the color coding to, to either have it process or have it not. You know, I thought that was really smart. 
because there everybody has certain things. They have you know three or four categories of files that always go to the same place, but they don't necessarily have a similar name. Oh, yeah. And so you can just go in, change the color, and you can do it very quickly in the uh, information tab, yeah. or you can do it. Well, or you just right click. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it very quickly. And I thought that was just a really smart way to handle that problem. Uh, so uh, Todd wrote in. and to- Todd is brilliant. Yeah, he has a really interesting idea for the file sharing problem. I guess we should have really talked about this up in the show, the show about the iPad. But, uh, so- but hey, if you made it this far, you get this little tip. Exactly. This is the benefit, right? So he uses Dropbox and he uses the iPad. So what he does is uh, he creates a mail folder in an IMAP account uh, called Dropbox Attach. Then he mm-hmm. creates a mail rule so that anytime there's an email with the word Dropbox Attach, it gets moved to that folder. So then he goes to Dropbox and he creates a folder called Dropbox Attach or Dropbox Email Files or something like that. Yeah, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And then you go to Hazel and you set it up to watch the mailbox folder named Dropbox Attach. And in, Which is actually inside the library, inside the mail folder. Exactly. And in Hazel, create two rules. One, um, run rules on the folders. So this rule is a set, and it's set to kind, the folder is kind. And if that's the case, then run the rules on the folder contents. Mm-hmm. So what this does is it makes it so that all the rules that apply to the folder apply to all of the subfolders underneath it. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's smart. Next thing is you copy the mail attachments to the Dropbox. So then it sends them over. You know, if the kind is document, then copy it to Dropbox attach folder and send a growl notification to let me know what happened. If you do the attachment other than document, you could probably change the rule to some other variable. So uh, he's got a way. So he just names it, sends it in, and everything gets sent over automatically. He doesn't have to take the trouble of dragging and clicking and finding and drilling and all the other stuff that takes to get, get those files on Dropbox. I thought it was really smart. That is brilliant. The only caveat is you do have to have... Um, a Mac that is on, that is running, that's got your email running at all times. Yeah. Because you're, you're probably going to most want to do this from a, from a different location, you know, um, from your laptop or from your iPad or from something like that. So you're going to have to have a Mac, I guess, back at home that's, that's on and monitoring. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself that I need to get a Mac mini for a kind of home media server. And in simple note, I've actually got a list of reasons I need a Mac Mini for a home media server. And unfortunately, I haven't gotten very many reasons, so I haven't bought it yet. But I'm I'm adding that to my list right now. Have you got mail spam monitoring in there? Because it does that too. I do have that. I have spam filtering, email archiving, iTunes server, and Hulu so far. So now I'm going to add a. Uh, now I'm going to add Hazel copy folders, Dropbox. So if anybody has additional ideas, please send them to Katie. So that I can go ahead and spend more money and buy yeah. something I don't really need. I think, you know, if we, if we, we should look into getting like a, a big bunch of propeller beanie hats, you know, because every show we should send one out. I think Todd would get the one, this show. Hey, Todd, God gets it this show. Yeah. The official we'll Mac Power users that. propeller beanie caps. <laughs> well, it, I wonder if the uh, Joy of Tech people could do that for yeah, us. Yeah, maybe. Well, Katie, I think we covered the iPad. I do. I think we've covered the iPad at least until June 7th when something happens and our show becomes irrelevant. No, it's a, it's more than a content consumption device. You can get a lot done with it. And uh, I look forward once again to hearing back from the listeners and what they're doing with their iPads so I can, you know, glom onto that, that brilliance that is out there. Yes. Hive mind, start working. Send us your, your iPad workflow ideas. Yes. So where can you reach us? 
Well, you can check out our website. It's at www.macpowerusers.com. And while you're there, I don't think we mentioned this last episode, you do need to take a, the, a look at the awesome artwork uh, that our good friend Darren Rolf designed for us because uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and Darren's at macwingnut.com. He's a Mac geek in addition to a brilliant artist. Yeah. So um, our, our sincere thanks to to him for designing that awesome logo. Yes. You can also email us. Uh, email address that will get to both myself and David is feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And you can also Twitter us at MacPowerUsers. Right. And, you know, if you want to send in an audio comment, let us have it. You know, send it out. Uh, we're in the process of setting up a Google phone number. We haven't got that all figured out yet. But if you've got an iPhone, the, the recorder app works pretty darn good. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to start using those on, on future episodes. Um, and iTunes. We love iTunes comments. Every every couple of weeks I like to go in. Okay, who am I kidding? Every couple of days I like to go in there uh, and and see what the people have written about us in iTunes. And iTunes comments is one of the great ways that um, – we can get some additional exposure on iTunes and additional exposure means more listeners. And that means more of you to add to the hive mind out there to start churning away uh, great ideas that we can share with all of you. Yes. So I'd like to thank our sponsors, smile, my Mac makers of PDF pin, PDF pin pro text expander, and many other great Mac apps. You can find them at smile Also want to thank one password, um, agile web solutions who makes the amazing one password application and also check out Knox. I think we'll talk about that on a, on a future episode. It's a, a recent acquisition that I think has a lot of promise and fuse meeting, which allows you to host high quality, uh, meetings online. You can find links to all of our sponsors in our show notes with additional information. So David, what's next? We're going to talk about the Mac user in the windows world. The, oh. the iWolf. There you go. The pilgrim in the unholy land. I live it every day. I can't wait to share all my thoughts. So that will be the next show. Maybe that's another reason why I need a Mac Mini. Add that to the list. <laughs> I'll add that to the list right there. Well, as always, David, it's been a blast learning about uh, how you.